The Lifestylist, Episode 7, featuring Ari Mizell. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Support for this episode comes from Bulletproof, an amazing way to upgrade both your morning coffee and your breakfast so you stay full, cravings-free, and energized for hours. And thanks to new Bulletproof Instamix, you can literally have an amazing creamy latte that supercharges your day anywhere, anytime in about five seconds. Check it out at Bulletproof.com. And while you're there, you can use the coupon code LUKESTORY to save 10% off your order. I want to give you a heads up sneak preview into episode eight, which will be released tomorrow. Episode eight features Taro Isokalpila from Four Sigmatic Foods. And the episode is all about the magical world of medicinal mushrooms. You are listening to your favorite podcast, The Lifestylist with Luke Story. Today, I'm with our guest, Ari Mizell, and we're talking about optimizing, outsourcing, and dealing with the overwhelm in our lives. So we dig into all of these different apps and techniques and hacks that you can use to deal with some of the tedious things and the minutiae that tend to bog us down and stress us out so that we can be our best, happiest, and most productive selves deal with the big picture stuff. And this is something that I personally struggle with. I'm working on all the time, like showing up at the computer in the morning and just going, wow, how am I going to do this today? What am I supposed to work on? How do I organize all of this stuff? How do I outsource anything that someone else could do? And this is like kind of a hobby of mine that's turned into a necessity slash obsession. So I'm just learning more and more about this all the time. And it's something that I share a lot with clients And Ari is an expert at this stuff, even though he's reluctant to brand himself as such, as you'll see in the podcast. And I also want to let you know about today's episode upgrade and how you can get that. The episode upgrade is a four-page, beautifully designed PDF that features all of the links, show notes, and resources from the interview with Ari that you're about to hear. So don't trip on having to remember that. All you have to do is open an email that I'm going to send you. How am I going to send you the email? Well, you do have to do something in order to get that. You've got to text something to somewhere. What you're going to text is this, lifestylist 7 to the number 44222. So text LIFESTYLIST7, the number 7, to 44222. If you're at a computer, just go to the URL, lukestory.com forward slash LIFESTYLIST7, and that download is yours for free forever, and you can share it with as many friends as you'd like to. Next, I'd like you to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of these episodes. This is the seventh one, so I put out one every day for the past week. You might want to go back and catch a couple of the ones you missed. And then please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. It's a great way to give back to the show and help spread this message. Okay, so that's all I've got for you. I'm really excited to bring you this episode with Ari Mizell. Let's learn how to outsource our overwhelm. Ari Mizell is an achievement architect, author, speaker, and teacher. Ari launched his speaking career with the TEDx Talk in 2008. Since then, he's spoken to thousands of high-end executives in all industries, showing them how they can reclaim their time so that they can live more. He teaches personal and organizational productivity, health and wellness, entrepreneurship, and biohacking human performance. Ari's spoken to many groups, including MasterCard, NYU, EO, the U.S. Army, and has developed an amazing system of productivity and a book called Less Doing, More Living, which is broken down into nine fundamentals. He's also the host of one of my favorite podcasts called Less Doing. Welcome to the show, Ari Mizell. Thanks, Luke. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you on today because you've been very instrumental in my developing a a workflow over the past year or so i listen to your podcast religiously i'm like a super fan (laughs) you know i'm not not afraid (laughs) to admit it i'm the geek that goes into the show notes and you know clicks on the links and bookmarks them and i download apps literally like as i'm listening to uh, the podcast and things that that you recommend and so you know as i've become more successful in my career 
I found that it's imperative that I'm able to find ways to deal with the overwhelm and just the influx of emails and to-dos. And I mean, God, if you could see my desktop right now, I'm, I'm looking at it. I probably shouldn't look at it because I'll get stressed out. But it's like just the amount, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I own this business called School of Style. And, you know, just the amount of data alone, just data management and communication management and, and just you know, all these things that we do, I think, to become successful and be quote unquote happy in this age in terms of owning a business and being an entrepreneur uh, comes with it a lot of um, a lot of minutia that needs to get dealt with. And, and I love uh, your work because it helps me and so many other people find ways to to manage that. And I'm by no means an expert or have that down. But even just the few things I've been able to implement that I've learned from you have been extremely helpful. So I, I'm really looking forward to diving into some of that stuff and sharing that with my audience and people that aren't familiar yet with you. So how did you come to be this productivity and outsourcing expert? Well, thank you. And, you know, first of all, I'm always learning too. So it's, I still struggle with the expert idea. But uh, basically, six years ago or so, I started developing this system of productivity, which I called Less Doing. And I... Uh, three years before that, I had been diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is a chronic inflammatory condition that affects the digestive tract. And I was really sick, and uh, the medicine was making me sicker. And basically, there were two confounding factors. And I was, uh, because of the weekend state I was in, I, was, I couldn't work as much time, just couldn't do as much time. And also, stress was an enormous factor in my life and my illness. So, Somehow, basically, after one really, really bad night in the hospital, I came up with this uh, path to remake myself. And part of that was creating this, this completely new and different system of productivity that would allow me to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in my life, including my health, in order to regain myself, I guess, and, and be more effective. And that developed from there. It became a book. And then, and then I started teaching and then started doing consulting and speaking. And, and now I do coaching. And, and then I got on the Luke Story Show. Yeah. <laughs> it, it all culminated in this moment, Ari. <laughs> what a glorious moment. Uh, so what is overwhelm? You know, a, a lot of the tools that I've learned from you, I just kind of blanket the issues I have as overwhelm. And, and I'll maybe give you my definition. That's where there are so many programs running, so to speak, in my subconscious that even though everything's fine and, you know, I'm a meditator, I do yoga, uh, you know, I've been on a spiritual path for a long, long time. I like to think of myself as a pretty peaceful guy, but as I become more successful, as I said, um, I would define overwhelm as, as all these programs running in the background. And, and even though everything is fine, there, there actually are no fires that need to get put out. Everything's running smoothly. The money's being made. The bills are getting paid. Everything's fine. I'm safe. But because there's this sense of vagueness around what's getting done, who's doing it, when does it have to be done by, there's no system that I'm following that I feel this pretty high degree of stress a lot of the time. And if, if you were to come do an investigation on my workflow and my company, you wouldn't actually find anything wrong. But I feel like there's something wrong because I don't really know what's going on. And that's, that's what I feel is overwhelm, where there's just so many things going on throughout the day and so many emails and so many of this and that, that there's no way I could ever surmount them um, because I don't really, I'm unable to remember that many things at once. Is that, is right. that, does that ring true to you? I mean, what would you say overwhelm is the predominant problem in terms of just workflow that you're trying to, to overcome? Yeah. So I actually joke sometimes that I, I should be called an overwhelmologist uh, because that's what I end up dealing with every day. I help the overwhelm to become more effective and that goes across income brackets and job positions and uh, race and sex and everything. Everyone feels overwhelmed. And the thing is, is that it's, it's so, it's, it's so based on perspective and so specific to your situation, the things that cause overwhelm. But the biggest commonality that I find with people that a lot of the overwhelm comes from a simple lack of awareness of what's causing the overwhelm. It's a really annoying, vicious circle. But there's just so much information happening. As you said, we have, we have, we have a really limited working memory. You know, it, I, this is one of my favorite examples recently. Is Luke, do you, do you know... Roughly, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you, do you know how old the spoken word is? Oh, man. I'm going to say 
200,000 years. That's not a bad guess. It's about 150,000 years. That's, okay. That, a lot of people guess way lower. So that was a good guess. So most of us, I'd say most of us, even like shy people, we're very comfortable speaking. You're, you and I are doing a podcast interview right now. Neither of, I mean, I don't think you are either, but neither of us are professional broadcasters. But we can talk and we can be ourselves. Most people will tell you that writing is very difficult. Um, even professional writers don't tell you it's easy, right? So writing is, writing is hard. Our brains don't like writing. It's, 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 like, it's just not natural for us. So do you know how old the written word is? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to say 15,000 years. Okay, so also not a bad guess. About 30,000 years. So, do, I mean, do you, do you write? I try to avoid it. Okay, so it's not easy, right? It's difficult. It's very difficult, yeah. But you can speak, and that's yes. no problem, right? Yeah. So I think my friends would argue I'm a little too good at speaking. <laughs> okay, so, you know, in terms of evolution, like, we've been doing it for five times longer we've been speaking, and, and the written word is 30,000 years old. Email is 30 years old. Okay, so we have not evolved biologically as quickly as we have technologically. It's completely absurd for you to think that you can keep up with everything that's happening in your life without some sort of help. But everyone tries. Everyone's constantly trying to do everything in their own head. They can't get out of their own head, so they can't see that there's ways that they can offload the things that they do, that you can have other people do things for you, even if, quote-unquote, it only takes a minute, you know, or there's no way I could ever explain to somebody else how to do what I do. That's BS. That's just you being totally blocked by all of the things happening that you're trying to hold on to at once, and you're not using your memory properly, and you're certainly not using your brain properly, because the human brain is magical at coming up with new ideas, it is terrible at holding on to them. Wow, you got that right, especially especially mine. I think I'm a unique case of that. And the, and and you know, this is so this is so important and I, I think that this is something that really affects me and so many people that I work with, clients and and friends and family. I work with a lot of creative people and I'm a creative person and I literally am overflowing with creative ideas all the time. I don't know. I go in a lot of float tanks. I mean, I do a lot of things, I think, that that foster and encourage that creativity. But I can't even capture the ideas that come out of me and let alone implement them or pursue them because, as you said, all of those, you know, the fact that I... I don't even have 30 years in email, but just for example, just take email alone. I get up like, okay, what do I need to do today? What's important? What do I need to prioritize? And then if I touch that email, it's like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you know, I think I have eight email addresses right now in my Apple mail. And, you know, God forbid I, I open that program and start looking at it. And then where do those creative ideas go that I really should be working on? So it's, it's this, it's this dilemma of, um, you know, say I set an hourly rate for myself of, you know, X amount of dollars, I'll still find myself doing things that are way below my pay grade because I don't have the, the wherewithal to outsource them. I mean, I realized this years ago when I was working as an assistant stylist, I made between 250 and $350 a day, which was pretty good money for someone with really no education. You know? And so I was making good money. And then I used to clean my own apartment. And then one day it dawned on me, I can get someone to clean my apartment for 10 or $15 an hour, whatever it was, while I'm out there making $35 an hour. And it just became clear to me. So I got that model. But as life becomes more complex, you, you might have an understanding of that, but it's sometimes difficult to actually really let go of the reins and start to just delegate everything all the time, with the exception of those, those big picture creative things that only you can do, you know, those things where you're in the flow state and, and, and you can't hire someone to be a you, but God, it seems like there's like 90% of that crap can actually be done by someone else. Well, and that's exactly it is that I don't want you to not do anything, but I do want people to be able to focus on the 5% that they do better than anybody else. And the rest of the things they shouldn't be dealing with. In fact, you know, you mentioned the four hour work week and Tim Ferriss. A lot of people give him crap for, you know, it saying like, oh, uh, Tim never worked four hours a week. Well, of course he didn't because that would be, that would be torture for, if you couldn't work on something that you love for more than that. The point is that you're not supposed to be spending more than that amount of time on the things you're not supposed to be doing. Right, so it's it's you want to be in this mode where you're protecting your higher level thought, and I have this idealistic view that I truly believe that every one of us on this planet has something magical and genius to offer the world that will probably make the world a better place in some way, but they're being held back 
from doing it because of either financial constraints or time constraints or they just don't know how to do it. Uh, but we get in our own way so easily as human beings. Yeah, uh, that's that's so true. Um, what do you think about, you know, what are, I, I know you've developed your own system and I have your book and I've read your book and implemented a lot of that. One thing that I've tried to implement and have had a very difficult time, for example, is the getting things done method, the GTD method by David <laughs> Allen. And uh-huh. and it, it, it totally makes sense to me because I, I understand the, the, the overall concept of it. And for those of you that are listening, you know, of course, we'll put it in the show notes, but it's this idea that you you know, you take a day a week and you, you dump all of your ideas from all your notebooks and all your digital record keepers and you put them all in one place and, and then you uh, bucket them out into projects and then you task out the items that, you know, are like the to-do items under each of those projects vaguely. I mean, that's my understanding of it. Have you found that these systems that we use though vary in their application based on personality type? Like I feel like the way my Absolutely. the way my brain works, like I want to be able to do GTD, but it's like there's something in me that even that is more difficult. So I just end up going, you know what? I'm just going to make a giant to-do list of 487 things and just like go one by one until they're all done and they never get done because there's 30 more emails and et cetera, et cetera. So how do we, you know, determine what personality type we are, what our inherent kind of workflow style is? No, it's a fantastic question. So GTD is a fantastic system for people that GTD is a fantastic system for. Um, David is awesome and he's a visionary and I've had him on the podcast and he's a great guy and GTD is amazing and it's really, really good. But the thing is, as you said, you have to already be the right personality for it. Now, I'm not saying it can't work on somebody who's just totally a mess and overwhelmed, but it definitely works better for people who are sort of already in that mode. And I don't mean like type A. It's just more that they, it, it's hard to, it's hard to like put a label on it, but I, I can tell you like when I do coaching with people, there's the people who come in and they're like, they, they might be a super high powered executive that's been doing, you know, real estate development for 30 years and they're at the top of their game and they want to like get a little edge. And that person will still come in and say, all right, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I'll implement it, you know, or I'll have someone implement it, but just tell me what to do, like spoon feed it to me. Uh, and then there's the people who want to argue every step of the way and be like, well, but what, I, you know, I don't think that works for me. I can't do that. This, And, and you still work with that and it's fine. But you, you know what I mean? Those are like the two kind of different personalities. So like with GTD, it's, it's great. It's a nice package system. You learn it, you do it and, and implement it. Uh, but for a lot of people, for, I, I would say for as many people as it helps, it causes an enormous amount of stress for the other the other half. Um, and it's part of that is that a lot of people don't want to learn some new system. It, they want to just make things in their current life easier. You know, they, they, they don't want to change the way they do things. They just want to course adjust. So it, it, when you implement this entirely new system that doesn't necessarily work with the way your brain works, it, it, it's, it's hard. It's like putting a, it's like putting an extruder on your ideas. Right. What are some other ways that a guy like me, who's a free-spirited, creative, unbridled, you know, not very disciplined nut, do uh, what's some other ways that that a guy like me could find some system of organizing the things that need to get done? You know, what I find is that, and this is just true. I'm just going to generalize because I live in Hollywood, and like I said, I just work with so many creative people. We don't tend to mix with the nerds. You know, it's like the nerds are the people that creative people hire to babysit them and. <laughs> And tell them what to do. You know, I have like maybe five contractors I work with, and those are the people that are super organized and left brain and analytical. And I would die without them, and none of my great creative ideas and gifts to the world would get out there. But uh, what do you recommend, maybe for for a guy like me who is just very free spirited and unbridled, and you know has a hard time really focusing on what's really important? You know, I could get up this morning, and thankfully I had a. 10 a.m. podcast with you, but if I didn't, I could have very easily just gone off on some rabbit hole, you know, oh, what's this thing on my desktop? And I click on that and there goes three hours when in reality, I actually had something really important that I needed to take care of for my business. Maybe there was a, an email with a lawyer or something that actually affected the bottom line, but it got neglected because I didn't have some sort of you know, record keeping or a way to prod myself into doing the important thing, not just, you know, the, the flashy thing that flew by and grabbed my eye. Yeah. So 
I, yeah, and I don't think that GTD would be the right system for you because I just I think it's gonna it, it, it's it almost becomes frightening to set up a, a system like that because then if you mess up, you feel like you're like off the wagon and it's almost guilt ridden. You know what I mean? I care. Yeah, trust me. Right. Yes, so, so, right. very so, much and so. And that's obviously not fixing the problem. It's making it exponentially worse. So that's, I mean, honestly, without plugging anything, like that is what less doing is supposed to be. Less doing is supposed to be about making everything in your current life easier and working with sort of how you already do things, but just a little bit of a tweak. And also, I'm really big on focusing on using what you currently do to create other things, whether that's creating other content or creating new habits or whatever it is, but trying to work with the system, like how you do things now. Because the way you do things, even if you feel like you're being unproductive or whatever, if you're, if you're being natural about it and you're not under some constraint, which in your case you're not because you're an entrepreneur, and as you just said, you, know, you could get up and do a meeting or you could get up and kind of do whatever like, you decide to follow along with, that is your natural style. So to this idea that we should be working against that is already a problem because our brain does enough of that for us. The brain is extremely negative biased, um, which is a protective mechanism from thousands of years of evolution, except that you know, we don't have lions jumping on us from around the, the corner anymore. Uh, so this negative bias is, is really difficult and our brain starts to prevent us from doing all these things. So if you find that there's some natural state that you work in, then try to work with that and make it more productive from that or have people do things for you or have systems do things for you so that you can focus on what you're doing and not have to worry about the minutiae. Yeah. So there's, so I'm hearing that a big part of this is being able to identify your personality type. And, and I think some of the programs and systems are maybe built and, and better suited for one personality type to another. You know, it's like you need the, the, the wild creative entrepreneur, um, you know, type of system where for me, for example, I think you're really onto something there. It's like, if I have a system, I need a system because I need something or someone to organize me. Right. Cause I'm just, I'm just a nut. Like I just, I'm totally just, I live life, I make up life as I go along. It's very hard for me to follow a plan. So with that comes an inherent sense of overwhelm and sometimes confusion and frustration and stress. So I go, okay, I need a system. And then I try to implement a system, but then the system is so confining that it sets me up for failure. And I feel like I don't have any freedom because the system is like holding me down, man. You know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting place to be um, based on my own experience. So there's the personality type. Then what about being able to identify, and this is something really exciting that you're doing that I also wanted to talk about, uh, is finding not only the type of personality you are, but the time of day or uh, when you really get in the flow state. And this is another thing that's been challenging for me and so many people I know in the entertainment industry. A lot of us are night people just inherently. And, and I wanted to ask you if you think that's a valid concept. Have you heard of any data that there are in fact morning people or night people or are the night people just undisciplined <laughs> brats that stay up too late and then they're not a morning person because they were up till two in the morning. And, uh, and along those lines, I just downloaded your new app, uh, Peak Time, last night. And I got, and I, and I downloaded at 11 p.m. and I took the test. And, I, and of course, like I've only had it for a day or less than that. And that's my highest score is at 11. But I have a really strong feeling that around 10 or 11 p.m. is probably going to be when I'm in my highest flow state. So how does, how does our circadian rhythm and time affect our focus or productivity? First of all, you're very lucky if that is your time. I, I'm very envious. Um, my peak time is between 10 a.m. and noon which is really annoying, honestly, because I do fantastic. I mean, I, not because I can't respect it, I can't use it, and I'll explain what it is, but it's more that I would love to be able to get my best work done at the end of the night before the next day starts or very early in the morning. But having it right smack in the middle of the day is really annoying because that means that I have to do kind of like stupid work beforehand and then stupid work afterward. <laughs> right. um, so it's, uh, I, you know, but that's okay. So, yeah, peak time. So basically, I became obsessed with this concept about seven months ago. And while on stage giving a talk, I figured out a way to test it. I hypothesized, actually, and turned out that I was right. So each one of us every day has about a 90-minute period where you are at your peak. And what that means is simply that you are able to get into a flow state more easily. So 
that's when you should be able to do your highest and best work, whatever that might be. And in that peak time, you are two to 100 times more effective than any other time of the day, which is incredible because that means that if you respect your peak time, that 90 minute period, you don't get distracted, you focus on what you do best, you get yourself in the right environment, the right mood, the right state, the right uh, everything. You should be able to get more done in that time than you could the entire day combined or maybe even the entire week combined, which is very freeing, by the way. But uh, so knowing that your peak time is late at night is fantastic. And uh, it's, it's not coupled with creativity. Creativity may be your, like one of your strong suits, but it's not the same. Like, for example, have you seen the movie Limitless? Yeah, of course. Okay, so you know when he takes the pill and then he starts writing and he writes the whole book basically like in two hours? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So your peak time would probably be the time that you would write that book, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the time that you're going to have all the creative ideas for the book. It could be. But, you know, it's this idea of like the book just sort of pouring out of you, that's, that's fine. But what's most likely happening neurologically is not that the story is being formed in that time. It's more that it's just you're able to process it better. So your creative time tends to be at night for most people. Most people are more creative at night because you are more creative when you're tired, which is another testament to how shitty our brain treats us. So it's, it's another testament to how our brain just messes with us because... The reason that we're more creative when we're tired is because you're less inhibited. You're less likely to shoot down the quote-unquote bad ideas. So um, knowing that your peak time is that late at night is fantastic. I had a client who was telling me that she was waking up at 4 in the morning every morning with like thoughts racing through her head, and she'd just lie there trying to go back to sleep for two hours. I was like, why? would you, Why? Like, get up. Use it. That's fantastic. That's, you know, I would love that because then you start the day having like done 100 times more work. It's great. Uh, so... Yeah, there's definitely a difference there. And I, so I don't really think this is like a morning person versus night person because most people, when they say that, they mean more about like how moody you are. And I personally would think, I, I consider myself to be both. You know, I typically go to bed around 12 or you know midnight and I'm up at, um, at usually like five. So it, now when I'm up at five, I'm up with my kids. So I'm not doing work per se. Um, I do a lot of really great work between 10 and midnight, but that's not because it's my peak time. It's because it's when it's finally quiet. You know, and I can finally like focus and and do some stuff. So, circadian rhythm has a has a huge huge effect on uh, on what we do and 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 how we do it and, and and how we approach it too. Just the mindset we get into. So that's really interesting that the peak time is not necessarily in accordance with and usually not your creative time. And and that totally makes sense because I find that I'll have amazing you know just outbursts of creativity, say during a meditation or even during yoga class, I do uh, Kundalini yoga, which doesn't necessarily include a lot of movement. Sometimes there's all sorts of chanting and breathing. Yeah. A lot of thumb work. Yeah. But I, I, I didn't want to disrespect the class and have my phone in there and taking notes. I'm actually interviewing my, uh, my teacher in a couple hours today for the show as well, but I didn't want to like, look like I was texting and disrespect the class when I'm actually putting notes in my phone. So I had to bring a notebook and then during the class, I'm just constantly rolling over or flipping around and, and writing down notes because I just get these surges of creativity. But I don't necessarily want to do anything with those ideas at that time. I, don't, I really don't think that is my peak time or if I'm you know, sitting on in my couch meditating for 20 minutes in the morning, I'll have all these ideas. And then sometimes I even do stop and write them down then, but they're not actionable at that time. I just want to make sure that I capture them because who knows if they're ever going to come back. But uh, that's a that's a really important distinction there, I think. And then in terms of the night and and morning person thing, it, you're, I've never heard that that it's more about how moody you are. And people that know me and you know girlfriends that I've lived with over the years pretty much know I'm not that much fun before ten or eleven in the morning. <laughs> You know, it's like, it, it takes me a while to come back in my body after I'm sleeping all night. You know, it's just like uh, traffic, things like that. I'm, I become infinitely nicer as the day progresses. So that's what I was kind of basing that night or morning person theory on. 
but a lot of it really is on when I can have solitude and not be interrupted. So, you know, your kids are asleep. So at night might not necessarily be your peak time, as you said, but it's the time when you actually can be by yourself and focus without interruptions. And, and for me, that is also at night. It's like, that's when the emails slow down, people aren't texting, there's less fire trucks going by. And, you know, I'm curious to see as I continue to use this app, if I'm able to really find out if it's, you know, it's, is it a false peak time just because things get quiet here at night in the city? Or is it, you know, is that really my time when I'm like able to produce? I, I know trying to force a project on myself at the wrong time is, is really frustrating which I attempted to do yesterday, like map out my entire new website and all the copy and all this stuff. And it's like, I sat down with these big sheets of paper and a Sharpie and it was just like torture to try to do it. Cause I just wasn't in a flow state. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the problem is then you, you end up just being frustrated and then that has like a spiraling effect. Yeah. And that's, and that's also when it's, I'm really distractible. Like I, I kept like looking at my Instagram. I kept using any excuse to escape. I better check the email again. I was being like very addictive about, you know, my tech because I'm trying to escape from the frustration of forcing myself into a moment of productivity that wasn't inherently natural at that moment. Right. Exactly. And, and that, and again, we're fight, you, you can't fight your nature when it comes to productivity. You just can't. So let's talk about, Ari, some of the key tools that, that you like to recommend and, um, and use and promote. I, I, I know there's a few of them I have written down um, because there's just been so many that I've tried out. There was one that I think went away, which I was like in love with called uh, Fetch. Yeah. Did they go away? or? Yes, they did. Okay. They, did. Yeah, they, so. uh, they, they went away. But Operator sort of took their place. Oh, okay. Noted. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. For Yeah, Operator is backed by Uber. Really, really good for purchasing uh, items, tickets, plane tickets, that kind of thing. Cool. Because I ended up just kind of switching my, my buying things to fancy hands. And I think that's a probably a more expensive way to buy things. <laughs> But I, you know, for for those of you listening that, that that don't know what that that is, could you explain um, an app like Fancy Hands and how that works? The Fancy Hands is the uh, one of the older virtual assistant companies based in the U.S. and they are an on-demand virtual assistant company, meaning that they have about three thousand assistants that you issue a task to all of them, basically, uh, by email or phone, and any one of them can pick it up and do it and move on from it. They are limited to tasks that take 20 minutes, and you get uh, the benefit of a, something like an on-demand service like that is that you get a wide variety of skill sets, 24-7 access, or 24-7 support with so many assistants, and uh, you can issue a very large volume of tasks. So you can send you know, 10 tasks in 10 minutes, and 10 different assistants will pick them up. Uh, the, the downside is that there's no continuity. There's, there's very, very difficult to have quality control. And so you're really limited to very basic tasks with them. But there's a huge benefit to that still, because... Uh, and you still get to take advantage of what I call the time shifting effect of a virtual assistant. So, for example, you know you might want to make a dentist appointment, and it's a lot of people tend to do a sort of a brain dump at night. You know, before they go to bed, thinking about what they have to do tomorrow, whatnot. And so it's nine o'clock at night. You're in bed. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot to make an appointment with the dentist. So what do you do at that point? Do you take out your phone and write yourself an email? Do you put it on your to do list? Do you give yourself a post it note in your closet? Or you could just send an email to your assistant and say, "Hey, I need this doctor, this dentist appointment, and uh, you know, take care of it." And they have your schedule, your calendar, and stuff. So, at that point, at nine o'clock at night, even though the dentist office doesn't open for another twelve hours, you're done. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to go to sleep that way, knowing that it's going to get worked on. And obviously, they're not working through the night on it because the dentist isn't open. But you can basically forget about it until you get an email back at you know nine fifteen in the morning saying, "I talked to the dentist, and here's your appointment. It's in your calendar." Right. Yeah, I find that I, I use Fancy Hands, and it's an app on your phone, and you can also access it online. And I typically tend to use it for more menial tasks, such as, uh, just for example, yesterday, I tried to print something, and of course, like always, my printer's out of ink. I always wonder this, like, how do inks run out of color ink when you don't print anything in color? Just saying. But anyway, <laughs> I uh, it's like the weirdest thing. Like, I don't print color, and I'm always out of color ink. Uh, so I just, sent, I just took a picture of the cartridges and texted it to fancy hands and like i'm done in a couple days it'll show up from amazon prime and like i'm done with that project so little things like that that pop up rather than having to write it down or even like you know keep a record of it it's just like like you said it's out of my head which is 
really, really valuable. But there are also, of course, sometimes tasks which require a little more expertise and someone with some more, you know, life experience and just common sense, I think. And so I've found at times I've thrown tasks at them that are a little too complex or just too involved. And they're really important. And the outcome of the results, you know, affects the bottom line. So it's something that I've had to kind of learn, like what things I can and can't delegate. But it's really good just for for simple stuff, like you said, booking appointments and just things that don't require a high level of skill. There's another really cool one that I learned from you uh, called Washio. And this is, you know, one of those things that isn't that that big of a deal. But over time, it really adds up. And um, do you remember talking about Washio? Of course. Do you want to explain what that one is? Yeah, the, uh, the the dry cleaning and laundry service. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of these stupid things. But I mean, what, it, my whole life as an adult, when I've had to have things dry clean, like here's how it goes. Okay, I have to remember to put it together. They're like in my closet somewhere. Maybe I have another little hamper and that's my dry clean hamper. Then in the back of my mind, I keep going, Luke, you have to go to the dry cleaner tomorrow. Don't forget to go to the dry cleaner. Then I have to write it down. Then I don't go. Then I have to add it to another to-do list. Then I throw the stuff in my car. Then it sits in my car and and I forget to stop by the dry cleaner for a few days. And eventually I finally see it. And the moment I see it, you know, the sign as I drive by, I stop and drop it off. They give me a little ticket. Then that little ticket goes on my dash. I drive around with that ticket for about a week and a half, looking at that ticket every day when I get in my car. Luke, you loser, pick up your dry clean. I mean, it's like, it is like a huge production for me. And, and working in the fashion industry and being a stylist for so many years, like I just have this painful experience with dry cleaners. So Washio is literally like, you text the app, they show up at your house that day, take your stuff, deliver it, sometimes even later the same day or the next day. And it's, you know, organic solvents. It's not like toxic, weird, uh, dry cleaning fluid. And it literally requires like one text and it's done and just gets charged to your card and it's the end of it. So an app like that is really simple, but you know, actually if you add a lot of those type of apps and tasks up, it really can save you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, is there's uh, one of my fundamentals of my system is called stop running errands. It's because errands are pretty much no way, no matter how you cut it, errands are just not efficient. You know, even if you plan like the perfect route and everything. So with these kinds of delivery services now, which are really, it's on demand for most part, which is what's nice about it, whether you're getting food delivered or you're getting your dry clean taken care of. Um, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, laundry is not the most convenient thing for most people. So if you can get that done, it's definitely worth the time and the the lack of headache. Are there any other on-demand apps like that that you're, I know you have like thousands of them in your head probably. Are there any, you know, ones uh, currently that you're using that might be worth mentioning? Uh, by far, my favorite is Ship, S-H-Y-P. Um, do you know it? I've heard you talk about it. Yeah, I think it's probably really good if you live in New York. Uh, well, they're in San Francisco and L.A. too, I think. Okay. Um, Ship is an on-demand uh, delivery service, but not like delivering to you, meaning you have an item that you want to ship, and you take a picture of it, and in about 15 or 20 minutes, somebody shows up, takes the item, they create a custom box for it, a cardboard box, and they ship it, uh, which is just amazing because uh, if you're doing online returns, you can just put in the order number. Like for Zappos or Amazon, you just put the order number in, they show up and they take it. If you have an eBay account and you're selling stuff on eBay, you connect your eBay account, and when you have a sale, they show up and they take it. <laughs> and, they ship it. Uh, and it's just so amazing. And I've actually been walking down for, in Manhattan from... Uh, I've been walking from um, like Midtown all the way downtown, and I've had a ship bike person meet me at like 23rd Street to take a package out of my hands and ship it off for me. I mean, it, the the way that I, the reason that that gets me so jazzed up is because it's like that time shifting thing. Um, you can write something down to remind yourself to do it later, and that's very static. You can send yourself an email to the future and have it come in at the time that you want to do it, which I recommend. But that's still very static. If I can do something right now that puts it in motion with someone or something else, that's amazing to me. That's literally like cloning yourself. So yeah, I could have gotten home and I could have taken it to the FedEx office or I could have scheduled a pickup. I mean, all of those things. Whereas this, I'm literally walking my twins in the double stroller downtown and I tell the guy to meet me at 23rd Street and I hand it to him and I keep walking. You just changed my life. I was thinking of this other uh, shipping app where, uh, you know, if you live in a city like New York and you're never at your your apartment when they come and then you have to go no, pick it up. No, that's Parcel. 
Okay, right, right. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Okay, but you just changed my life. I'm literally downloading ship. As we speak, I have a package that's sitting on my dryer that I walk by every day to take to my car so I can go drop it off at UPS to send to my uh, my virtual assistant, uh, Tati, in Hawaii, because <laughs> I'm sending her some smart drugs. <laughs> and uh, so... I see this package there and Luke, you need to do that. You need to do that. Well, not right now. And so I'm doing that. That's, that's freaking amazing. Little things like that. I mean, they compound and they add up. So now I'm not doing my own dry clean anymore. I'm never going to UPS. I'm never going to FedEx. I'm not dealing with any of that. I'm not logging in and scheduling like a pickup and the tracking number and all that. That is very, very useful. And while we're well, at, what's so nice about it is just it's it's like it it's not just on demand. It's like super on demand because they I've had them show up in six minutes before. Um, and like if, if for people listening to this who have kids, you should, you, most of you will know that you know between five and like seven p.m. is like the worst time of day for kids. Um, and I've literally been like you know two kids running around the apartment naked and like one dog peeing on the floor. And I have <laughs> I, I need to return something to Zappos. And the messenger knocks on the door. I don't even like. I just put my hand out the door with the box and close the door and keep going, you know, and it's just like, ah, I got something done in the middle of all this chaos. That's incredible. So ship S H Y P, correct? Yes. Okay, cool. We'll put it in the show notes too, but that that's awesome. Uh, anything else come to mind? What was the one that I thought it was that will come hold your package until you want them to bring it to you? Yeah. Parcel and uh, door, not doorman, but something like that. Actually doorman. Yeah. Doorman. Yeah, I, I travel to New York a lot uh, with my fashion school and I'm always shipping supplements and like just <laughs> weird stuff out and I'm always in an Airbnb and I'm like, God, if there's no doorman, it totally sucks. Like you miss all of your packages because when are you sitting at home on your ass in New York City? Like you're always out. And I always wonder how do people deal like living here? Because I, I learned from you and have been implementing do not run errands. So I order everything online really the only reason i would ever run an errand i think is to fill a prescription like if it's not something i have to be there and show my id for i ain't going why would you even do that Ooh, you know a way (laughs) pill pill pack what full service pharmacy that delivers you gotta be kidding me if if you're taking multiple drugs what you get is a package it's like a little plastic clear package that has all of the ones in it with the time of the day you're supposed to take it the day of the week and everything you gotta be kidding me Ari, you're making my life here. You're giving me life, man. Is this an, are we doing an interview or is this a consult? <laughs> yeah, I know, right, right. <laughs> no, I'm. It's really for the listeners, okay, Ari. <laughs> so an, another app that I wanted to talk about was Evernote. That's something that you talk about a lot. I I've been using Evernote for probably a, about a year, and I'm sure that I'm not even beginning to tap the expanses of what's possible there. Essentially, I use it kind of as just a dump for anything I find that I want to go back to because I find if I save a bunch of things to my desktop or somewhere on my computer, then they basically disappear into this vortex. Tell people what Evernote's all about and, and what one could use that for. So yeah, it's, it's this idea of it creating an external brain, and Evernote is just great for capturing. It, it, for people who don't know it at all, it's a totally free app and web app and desktop app, and it all syncs where you can capture pretty much anything: uh, a picture, a video, a, a news article. There's a, a extension for Chrome and Firefox and Safari. So if you're looking at an article in the New York Times, you can click the button and it'll grab it. Uh, PDFs, photo, like anything you want, really. Voice recordings, you can save pretty much anything into Evernote, and where Evernote becomes so extremely useful is its search algorithm is designed in a very interesting way that mimics the way that our brain processes information neurologically. They've actually done studies on this that shows that uh, it's organized very similar to the way that our brain sort of organizes things. But the, the magic of Evernote is that you have to overuse it. You really need to get ideas out of your head as quickly as possible uh, to create idea flow. And if you see something on a line that's interesting, save it, capture it. It doesn't matter if you ever look at it again. The way that Nevernote becomes so cool is, uh, you know, of course you can look for something that you know that you want, but if you have the extension plugged into your your browser, then when you clip something, or if you search for something on Google, it's going to pop up on the right side of the screen and say, oh, hey, by the way, here's four notes from your Evernote that are relevant to what you just searched for or what you just saved. And that is where the magic happens with Evernote, because I might see an article today on... I don't know, intermittent fasting is a good example. So I clip, I clip an article on uh, The Atlantic about 
about ever, intermittent fasting, and it pops up and it says, hey, there's four notes from Evernote. And those four notes may be uh, six months ago, there was a YouTube video that I captured that was about intermittent fasting. And three months ago, there was a podcast that I was listening to. And in the show notes, they talk about using cold thermogenesis with intermittent fasting. And then uh, a year ago, I took a picture of an article in a magazine on a plane, and it recognized the text in the picture. And all of those things were about intermittent fasting. And all of a sudden, I have this body of knowledge as if pulled from the depths of my brain, something that you could never do biologically. That's so cool. Yeah, so as I, as I suspected, there's a lot more to it than, than meets the eye. So it, it's almost like a personalized Google in a way. You know, it's like, it's exactly. like you're, you're kind of... Or personalized build- Wikipedia almost. Right. It's like you're building your own database uh, of resources that you, that you can also create. As you said, I, I never thought of um, actually using the voice memos feature too. I find that with technology, the voice memo thing is a habit that's difficult to to get into. I'm sure, like, do you do that a lot? I mean, do you talk into your devices and later on go review those? So we, it's funny, I, I, I do a lot of voice recording kind of stuff, but what, in terms of what you're talking about, um, right now my partner and I in the, in the virtual assistant company try to make it a habit of every day doing a recording of of just like thoughts for the day, like things that we found were interesting. And that goes into one folder. And then I have a, we have a a copywriter on staff and he basically listens to them at the end of the week and writes a summary. Um, And we think that there might be a book at some point from that, but it's just really interesting. Even a month or two into this, going back and looking at what we were working on two, three, you know, three weeks ago and whatnot. So that's where it becomes useful. And that actually is a good example of what I was saying before about looking at the things that you're already doing in your day like literally like not like high level stuff like what you're actually doing like uh, i'm sat in a meeting or i was on a sales call or i cooked dinner and look at the things that you're doing and think what can i what can come out of that that could be seen as content so in this case it's like i'm just uh, you know it, it could be just a conversation between me and my partner about how the day went for 5 minutes but that could end up being a book at some point without us having to do anything that's awesome. Yeah, it's sort of like multi-use <laughs> ideas. It's like stacking your time, so to speak, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's very cool. That's I, I really like that idea. And uh, I think people listening in, in Hollywood and my, my entertainment friends and creative types can really use that because create, creative people are always, I think, um, you know, producing ideas and don't know that they're actually creating content because they're just living their life. It's just part of their day-to-day flow. They're, they're, you know, they have an idea for a song or they're listening to music and they don't necessarily know, wow, I should actually be recording everything that I do because later on this actual performance could be integrated into something. For example, you're just sitting there fiddling around. Oh yeah. Then no one ever want to use this, but you might be able to sample a little piece of music or like you said, you might uh, come up with some little spoken word situation and that ends up becoming an actual recording that you use or something. That's, that's a really cool concept. I like that. Well, I mean, Hey, you, you, uh, you, you might cook dinner every night, right? And you like cooking dinner. So why not take pictures and put it on Instagram or put it on Tumblr and make a blog out of it? You never know. Right. Yeah, totally. And then what about, project management software. There's, there's apps out there that I know, you know, different people that I know in the industry use like Asana and Trello. I, I use both of those at a moment, like with your virtual assistant program that I of course want to talk about, cause I'm super in love with, uh, that is on Trello. And then like my web development team, they prefer Asana. So I've been experimenting with a few different ones of those. Do you have a software that you prefer and why? For uh, for project management, I like I like Trello personally um, because I think that the the whole Kanban layout thing is very nice and very natural to us. And if, for those who don't know what Kanban is, it's basically where you have if you visualize this, it's like columns. Uh, and so the first column is you know like your uh, phase one and whatever that means. The second column is phase two. Third column is phase three. So if you're you know in real estate, maybe that's prospects uh, in you know in contract and sold. Uh, if you're in uh, I don't, just general project management that's like, you know, uh, to do, doing, done, whatever. But it's just, it's very visual. So you basically can move things from one phase to another, which is very nice. And it's just very natural. And it's almost like, it's almost like a board game. You know, you're trying to get it to the end. Yeah, that's true. I never thought about it like that. It, it sort of reminds me the way that at least it's laid out visually. It kind of reminds me of Pinterest. 
because you have those boards that you can kind of move around and, you know, you can change colors. I think that for creative people, it's probably visually more stimulating than something like Asana. But I also find that with Trello, sometimes I tend to get a little bit lost because it's it's very easy to just throw up cards and boards and all of a sudden I've created this big mess, this big mess for myself that I have to go back and kind of clean up, you know. But I just I think it's really important for people that, you know, have a complex, busy life that they find some system, especially if they're working with a team, right, where there's one central location. Because if you don't have that, what ends up happening is you get 780 emails a week. And then next week, you know, your partner that you're working with is like, well, hey, I emailed you that thing. Why are you asking for it again? I'm like, dude, how could I possibly have that email that you sent a week ago? There's been 780 of them since then. But if you have some sort of uh, universal central location where all of all of these projects are living and everyone can go back to and, you know, find archived items. It seems to be just a much more manageable system than working through a zillion internal emails in a company per day, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And tell me about the concept of email zero and inbox zero. I've tried to explain this to clients and people have a really hard time getting their head around that. What is inbox zero? So uh, email is the greatest gift to productivity I think we've ever had. But... Inbox zero is basically where you're generally trying to maintain no email in your inbox. And there's a number of ways to do that. My, my system for it is basically processing email only once. And you either deal with it, if you can deal with it right now, you delete it if you don't need to deal with it, or you defer it to a time that you can effectively deal with it. And, and it's really important. But I, I also don't think that that's the future. I think the future is actually email zero. Um, since I, 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 I love Slack. Do you use Slack at all? No, I don't. I've heard you talk about it, but I, I didn't quite uh, get what it was yet. Slack is a team communication platform that is uh, just changing the way people communicate within their teams. And every, te- every company that I've implemented it with, including my own, has completely, I mean, 100% eliminated all internal email, uh, which is a, a bulk of the annoying email that people end up dealing with. How does that work, Ari? Well, uh, so it's it's just like a chat platform, honestly, but it's it's super powered. So first of all, it's organized into channels. So when you're in a channel, you're talking about that topic or that department. So a channel might be, you know, the marketing department or accounting department. Um, a channel like um, there's a podcast I really love called 99% Invisible, and they have a channel for each episode. So when you're in that channel, you're just talking about that episode, whether it's the graphics, the audio editing, whatever it might be. Um, you can share any kind of information, whether it's a, a web page. A code snippet, a video, an audio file, uh, image, and it's all inline, it's all searchable. But then the real awesomeness comes in that you can tie it into pretty much every service we use, whether it's Trello or IFTTT or Zapier, Basecamp, and all these actions can happen within it. So that basically means you never have to kind of, you never really have to leave uh, Slack and not, and you don't have to break your flow that way. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out and we'll for sure put that in the show notes. A lot of people that that I know and, you know, clients that I work with and I suspect people listening to this podcast are probably very unfamiliar with a lot of this stuff. I find that the the creative type people are generally fairly afraid of technology. <laughs> so these are really, yeah. you know, really, yeah. really great resources. And I, I think there's a learning curve there where you, you get over that fear of trying to figure it out. Like Trello is like that for me. I was like, oh my God, this is so frustrating. And then once I started to get a little bit of a workflow there, it became, you know, actually a savior. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate the fact that you do some research on this stuff and, and you know, have the time to share that all with us. And speaking of sharing, I want to make sure before the end of the call that we talk about the less doing virtual assistant. And, you know, I'm not selling anything. And, you know, this is just something that I find really useful. I've used some virtual assistant programs, um, as I said in the past, and, you know, it's been challenging trying to give kind of upgraded projects to them. And I've really, really had a good time. So, so far. So what is the um, Less Doing Virtual Assistant program all about, the Less Doist? So I started the Less Doists with my partner Nick Sonnenberg about four months ago. And basically what we offer is the world's most capable project, on-demand project managers. They are virtual assistants, but we go way beyond that. We don't just do tasks. We can do anything. They can do an entire website. They can produce a podcast. They can sell a car for you. Like All of the complex things that you couldn't have 
a fancy hands do. We can do that stuff. All of the assistants are trained in my methodology. I focus on training ongoing. I'm involved with the team all the time. And it's been awesome. We, we launched the company in 36 hours using free tools and basically we're running it like part-time and it's just exploded. Yeah, I've, I'm a huge fan so far. It's been very useful. I submitted a project a couple days ago saying I want you to find me five functional medicine doctors in LA County within, you know, five miles of my home that take insurance for uh, lead chelation and how much it costs, how much is the copay? Like it was a very complex kind of, you know, medical insurance kind of project and something that would be a total pain in the ass for me. And uh, my less doist came back with, well, you know, here's some doctors, but have you checked out this product metal free? which is a, a, a supplemental, you know, a solution to getting heavy metals out of you and, you know, send me some reviews on it and case studies and data and then a link to order it if I wanted to do that. And I thought, wow, cool. I really didn't want to go have IV chelation anyway. So I ordered like, you know, a three month supply of metal free and I'm giving that a go. But, you know, well, the, I, one thing is they should have offered to buy it for you. Did they? Uh, I think they did. Yeah. Okay. Actually, you know what? Maybe they even did buy it for me. I don't remember. But yeah, no, it was a, it was a very low touch thing. I mean, it's everything was right there within the thread on Trello. And I think that's they did. That's our very first training thing is basically anytime you find yourself asking a client to do anything, stop and think about how you could do it for them. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure that's the way it went. I'm, I forget <laughs> if I ordered or they did. But yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's really useful. And there's just things that come up all the time. So I just want to encourage people listening, like give yourself a break and, you know, to take advantage of this and definitely check out Ari's podcast. It's like a wealth of information, all of the links that are provided. I mean, it's, it's honestly like just a really valuable, valuable podcast. Because at the end of the day, it's like all the stuff that we're doing, is just to, you know, have a decent income and support our family and be able to to live life. But I, I think the paradigm well, hopefully of hopefully do what you love. Yeah, doing something that you enjoy and getting out of this paradigm of like work yourself to the bone so you can take a vacation once a year. I'm just not on board for that. I want many vacations all through my life. And I think through the application of a lot of these ideas that that is actually a possibility for us. Awesome. So, um, yeah. And, th and thank you, Ari. I want to ask you one last question and then I'll get to some links for you. I would like to get your recommendations on three books, teachers, philosophies that have helped you in your life. Like who are your teachers? Who are you, your gurus? Who could you point us to that are the people or, or systems that you study? Uh, so my favorite book is called Emergency by Neil Strauss. <laughs> that's a book or anything. That's great. You know yeah. It? Oh, I know Neil. Yeah. I spent the last weekend doing an urban escape and evasion. No, you didn't. At his yeah. house. Yeah. And I love that book too. So it was like a dream come true. Neil's like, Hey, I don't know if you're into this, but you want to come over and like get waterboarded. I'm like, I'm there. What time? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So I, I love emergency. I think it's just about like changing your life and also like taking, learning the skills that you need in order to sort of like, you know, to do what you have to do, basically. Another one would be Harry Houdini. Um, Harry Houdini was always a really big inspiration to me when I was a very young child. I was a magician. And uh, he was an immigrant who really came up from nothing. And, and there's no magician alive that doesn't have some connection to Houdini in some way or another. So his books and his, what he did and the way he approached showmanship and everything, I just found always to be really amazing inspiring and uh let's see a third one that is a tough one i have to say i don't think about that that often um i, I well okay i guess the, the the fountainhead by ayn rand was very was sort of uh, really inspirational to me as, as well and i i did a real estate development project after college where i was working in construction and i, I just identified very much with the the main character of the book Howard work and uh that always sort of stuck with me as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for the recommendations. And of course, we'll put those in the show notes. And speaking of show notes, my friend, Ari, tell us where we can find you. Of course, I've mentioned your podcast. Give us that, your URL, social media, anywhere where we can find you and your work. Yeah. So uh, you can find about everything at lessdoing.com. It's all there. Um, and if you, if you want to find out about the assistance, you can go to lessdoists.com. And uh, I am not very accessible by email, 
I'm definitely not accessible by phone. So if you want to tweet me, you can do that. Uh, and I'm at Ari Mizell. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing all these great resources. I'm really, really excited about the new ones that you mentioned and uh, just sharing this information with more and more people. So thank you. And we will see you on the next one, Ari. Thanks, Luke. That was fun. Wow. Are you feeling a little overwhelmed after receiving all that information? Me too. But guess what? I've got your back. I'm going to outsource all of the show notes for you. And of course, I'm talking about the episode upgrade, which I mentioned earlier. Here's a reminder to get that. It's free. takes about 10 seconds to get it. All you have to do is text the word LIFESTYLIST7 to the number 44222. That's Lifestylist7 to 44222. Or you can just put lukestory.com forward slash Lifestylist7 in your browser and you'll get a super quick download of that amazing PDF. I work really hard on putting all these links and stuff together. So I'm super stoked to share that with you. What better way to celebrate the end of another episode of The Lifestylist than to offer you a 10% off discount code at bulletproof.com. Enter the code LUKESTORY at checkout to save 10% off your order. Couple recommendations for me. Of course, the Bulletproof Coffee. And I absolutely live on Brain Octane. I put that stuff in and on everything. It's an amazing fuel source. And of course, my personal favorite supplement probably in the world, Unfair Advantage. So that's a pretty good place to start. Once again, use the code LUKESTORY at checkout to save 10% off your order at Bulletproof.com. And then, of course, you also want to subscribe to the show so you don't miss tomorrow's episode. That's right. Tomorrow, episode eight is coming out and features Taro Isokaupila. That's a really hard name to say from Four Sigmatic Foods. And we're talking all about the magic of medicinal mushrooms. It's a really great episode. I don't want you to miss it or any of the other great episodes coming your way. So we're in the home stretch here in my 10 episodes and 10 days launch. And tomorrow will be eight. This was seven. I'm looking forward to bringing you once a week after we get through at this 10-day stretch. So thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate your time, and I'm hoping that you're getting a lot out of this content. Because I know that I am. So until the next time we say goodbye, I wish you peace to you and yours.